All Things Teaching, hosted by Teaching Treasures. Hi, and welcome to All Things Teaching. I'm Beck, your host from Teaching Treasures. This podcast explores all things teaching, learning, and education with authentic, passionate teachers just like you. tuning into episode 10 of All Things Teaching. This episode is with an amazing career teacher named Kathy. We talk about her extensive teaching career, all the different things she has done, and she shares some amazing wisdom for new teachers as well as just all teachers about finding your marigold. Hope you enjoy. All right. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Kathy. I'm really excited to hear about your career as a teacher obviously you've been teaching for a long time we've known each other for a while I'm a really good friends with your daughter Laura but yeah I just thought we would have a chat and hear all of your wisdom that you have to share did you want to tell us a bit about yourself okay well I don't know about wisdom but <laughs> when I first got appointed um, in 1983 so yeah. many years ago um, I was appointed to Wyndham District High School yeah um which is in the Kimberley region. Um, it's the most northern town in Western Australia. And it was almost the furthest I could have gone from Perth. Um, so that was a real challenge for me. Um, I was leaving home pretty much for the first time and um, had to catch a plane. Uh, went up to Wyndham owning uh, 14 book boxes full of books yep. and one crate, um, one packing box of not much at all, really. So as an English teacher, I travel with my books. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I taught English and social studies, as it was called at that time. Um, I was the only English teacher in the school. Yeah. Uh, the school uh, went through a, a, a difficult time, I would suggest, because the first year I was there, it was had a staff of 20. 15 of us were graduates. Wow. And um, the principal had just had a promotion from being head of learning area down here in Perth. So um, we were an inexperienced team, mm. you could say. Um, it was really challenging for me. Um, I didn't have very much experience teaching Indigenous kids or not, no learning about teaching Indigenous kids. Uh, when... In my course, we did one two-hour lecture um, about cultural awareness, and that was it. So yeah. I went up there, and I remember my first class was a Year 10 class. I had 22 kids in there, 15 were boys. Um, of the 22 kids, I think 19 were Indigenous. And I took the role, and I couldn't understand what they were saying to me. And although they were speaking... English, it was so heavily accented mm. for my ear that I really struggled. Um, one of the boys, I'll never forget Russell, his name was, and he actually couldn't spell his surname. Um, and so it was just this big, huge yeah, learning experience sense. for me. Um, the non-Indigenous people were the minority in the school. Um, and I think I probably cried non-stop for six months. <laughs> And uh, did a lot, a lot of work in my own time. Was totally ineffective. Mm. Um, my the superintendents that we had at that time. I had one visit in the year, and she came out in I think August. 
um, to escape the winter. So all the Perth people used to come north to escape the winter. Yeah. Um, she came and watched me and then swanned off to Kununurra and then went to Halls Creek and I didn't see her again for yeah. another year. So, um, you know, sink or swim. Not a lot was. of support, yeah. No. So the closest... Um, English teacher to me was in Kanara an hour away, but she was a graduate too. Um, it was a graduate in Halls Creek. It was a graduate in Fitzroy Crossing. Um, Broome was the closest um, where there was an experienced teacher, but he was a day's drive away. Yeah. Um, and the phones, uh, we didn't have STD at that time, so we still had to go through an exchange. Yeah. Um, sounds like the dark ages. Well, it's not that long ago. No, I know it's not that long ago. It's funny how fast technology changed, you know. But yes. even now, like I, you know, obviously having this like platform and my Instagram and everything, but I connect with multiple teachers across the whole of Australia and the world and stuff. But like you say, you just didn't have that not opportunity to no. network yourself. Like there was no, you know, yeah, network other than driving for the whole day. <laughs> so I think it made, it did make me a better teacher, but yeah. I did practice on those kids and I wasn't effective at all when when I think back from my first two years of teaching at all. Yeah. Um, I did stay in Wyndham for an extra couple of years. We were only required to be there for two years, but I stayed for four because I loved it in the yeah. end. Um, I really enjoyed the lifestyle. I met Kim up there. Yeah. So that was an, a sort of a, a lining, a, a golden yeah. lining. Um, but I think my third and fourth year, I, I certainly um, was a better practitioner. I was yeah. more organised. I knew what I was doing. I could understand the kids. Yeah. I developed the relationship, which is pretty important yeah. um, with Indigenous, well, with any student, really, the relationship. Yeah. Um, so by my third year, I was the most experienced teacher on the staff because after the two years, of course, the, everybody, it, else everybody left, left yeah. and, and another lot of graduates came yeah, up. Yeah, those two years, that's you went regional and they like remote and you get permanency back in Perth, if that's um, the... Because that's what my dad did. He went to Norseman for two years yeah. when he first started out and then it meant you got permanency with the department so then they found you were... Yes, yeah. it, it's very, it was a very different, different. system yeah. at that time. So um, we all had our subject superintendents. Mine was Kath Peppel. And it's interesting because when I went, when I applied for my job, she was the one who um, did my job interview. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was the one who placed me mm-hmm. um, based on whatever skills she saw that I had. She said to me afterwards that she felt that I would be independent enough to be able to work so far away. Um, so that was my reward. Yeah. Um, but she was the one who visited me. Um, in, so in my second year, um, the second visit was a lot more detailed. She went through all my book work. Yeah. Um, so checked my programs, checked that my assessment matched my programs, um, interviewed some of the students. Um, I think probably saw the development that I'd made, even though I felt that I still wasn't doing a very good job. Yeah. Um, and so then, yes, I, I got, I, I did get my permanency to the department. So yeah. you weren't permanent to, to a school. school. No, so that's different, yeah. Um, so then because I stayed for the extra two years, when I applied for my transfer, um, I was a priority transfer. Yep. Um, and so uh, I I applied to I wanted to live in Mandra, so um, I wanted a school that was within an hour of Mandra, uh, within an hour of Mandra, yep. and so I actually got um, appointed to Pinjarra. Yeah. Um, and I was the first country to country transfer done that year. 
um, and Kath Peppel arranged that transfer. So she she sort of stayed with me for that, for period, that period of time yeah. um, while, the, you know, when the superintendents was still part of um, the system. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it was good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And I, I was appointed to Pinjarra because they had Indigenous kids or they have Indigenous yeah. kids there, so... They saw that as a skill set that I had, had that, that others might yeah. not have. Yeah. So how long were you at Pinjarra for? Five years. Five years, yeah. Yeah. And so then um, I, you know, I, I, I was, I think, a, quite a good teacher, but it, I had never taught senior school because um, Wyndham was a district high school. Only to year 10, isn't it? So we yeah. went to year 10. Um, so I, had, I hadn't taught senior school at all. So I ended up teaching some senior English, which is now equivalent to general English mm-hmm. in, year, in year 11 and 12. Um, I had um, some ATAR classes, but they were called the TE yep. classes at that time. Um, I had year 11 literature, so mm-hmm. I sort of, um, I guess, got more expertise in different areas. Yeah, um, yeah but it was a culture shock moving from a, a little school that only had 200 kids to moving to Pinjarra, which seemed enormous, and it had yeah. 600. Yeah. Um, but really, in the scheme of things, not a big school at all. No, no, <laughs> exactly. I know, well, I was talking to my cousin who kids go to Harrisdale, and that's 11, no, almost 1,400 students mm. in the one primary school, which mm. is just crazy Huge. crazy too big yeah too old way too, too big, big. Too no, they need to they need to sort that out because <laughs> they've got demountables after demountables mm. and you couldn't know all of the kids you know you like no. to think like you say relationships but as a leadership and a principal it'd be so hard to know all of your even all your teachers yeah they would just have so many teachers as well yeah. so yeah. yeah so after Pinjarra where did you go from there after Pinjarra I actually um yeah. went on maternity had babies leave, yeah. so I had my babies um and I did do um, some part-time work at Warmbra, yep. um, Warmbra Community College, when that was just starting up. Yep. So they had only years eight and nine at that time. Um, and I did a year there um, part-time. But yep. then the position went full-time. Um, and because I wasn't permanent to a school, um, but permanent to the department, um, the department couldn't find me a part-time job. Well, I could have gone to Boddington yeah. Um, for I think two periods a day or something and it was too far I wasn't prepared to do that so yeah. I actually resigned yeah. um, uh, so you resigned your permanent I, position I, well I yeah. resigned from, from the department yeah. um, so that I could stay home with the kids yeah. which is what, what we as a family decided so I actually spent 10 years out of the system yeah. and then to get I, I'm working at Kudna, um yeah. College now and um, when I got that position, it was through the back door, really. Um, and I was just starting to think that maybe I needed to um, either look into the teaching again or, or do something else. Mm. Laura was um, 12 yeah. at the time, so I'd had 10 years out. And um, I started seeing that I needed something for myself. Yeah. So I, I, I had a few contacts at Frederick Irwin and so there was a, um, there was a long service leave position coming up but that was only um, sort of a fixed term. And then um, the position came up at Coodnup and I didn't, hadn't applied for it and how I got the job was that the, the incumbent head of English I went to school with oh, wow. and went to university with and we'd reconnected here at, in Mandra. Yeah. 
um, and her kids were Frederick Irwin kids and so forth. Anyway, there was a position going for the Getting It Right Literacy Specialist Teacher because the previous lady had had a big fight with somebody and had stormed off and mm. resigned. <laughs> and the school had the position and the funding for the position, but if they had nobody to fill it, um, they'd lose their, they'd funding. Lose their funding. What is the program? I'm not, I'm not familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, it, it, it's redundant now. Was, okay. um, I think Alan Carpenter, when he was um, the Minister for Education, it was his idea. And it, it's around how... Um, literacy is not just the responsibility of English teachers, mm -hmm. it is the responsibility of every teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and because English has its own curriculum. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of low-level literacy students coming through the system, yeah. um, coming into high school, can't read, can't access, um, can't access any of the any information. Of the yeah. yeah. And so the idea of the Getting It Right Literacy Specialist teacher was that um, that person would work side by side with teachers in their classrooms mm. and show them how to um, cater for the literacy How to pull up those kids students. that need it, yep. but not just in their English lessons. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, go into a science classroom, for example, and look at the vocabulary mm. needs of science. How you differentiate the science lessons yes. to be accessible for all yep. students. Yeah. Well, and cool. so that you could teach science teachers how to teach kids to access science text. Yeah. Um, because science teachers teach science. Yeah. Maths teachers teach maths. Yeah. And Interestingly, English teachers teach English, and English teachers are not necessarily people that can teach literacy no. either, because it's such a different thing. You know, and we talk about, um, you know, literacy is around constructing text and comprehending mm. text and getting into text, whereas English teachers actually teach kids to deconstruct text and assume they already know that they know things. how to actually access it yeah so it was really interesting and I had to learn a lot yeah. and so it was a non-teaching role I didn't have my own classes I would um, I had a timetable that I developed myself um, and the yeah. I would work with the teacher look at what the lesson was look at what the literacy requirements were maybe make resources um, you know do word sorts and all yeah. that sort of stuff um, and go in and work side by side. So it was a great, yeah, great it's role. Yeah, really cool. Great role. And part of it was also that there was a lot of professional development mm. um, with that because I had to learn a lot of this stuff as well. So that was how I got in. Teresa was asked by the principal, did she know of any English teachers who weren't teaching? She said, well, as a matter of fact, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, she rang me, said, can I give the principal your phone number? He rang me. I said I didn't want to work full time, and he said, "You can have point eight. Yep. Um, I went in. He met me, um, and I did it just, just I think a term before um, it was when the t uh, TRB Waycott was all just starting yeah. up, and of course I wasn't registered, and I didn't know anything about it, mm. and it was the t I was just got in before I had to go back to limited authority to teach. Mm. So I didn't have to go through all that. That's I actually good. was able to do it based on my previous experience. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. And you did that for just a, just a year or how long did that uh, program the run? The program went, I think, for 
I think I did that role for about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, I was on a contract, so it wasn't a an um, I wasn't permanent to anybody. Um, so I had to keep reapplying and keep yeah. reapplying. Um, and then um, the boss told me to apply for the pool. I applied yep. for the pool, and he employed me on a permanent basis from the pool after about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, gave me one class so that I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then gradually built up from there. Up but from I there. haven't ever. I went back full time for one term. Yep. It was so ghastly. I said, I'm not doing that again. So, so you're not even full time at the moment. No. How? How? What are you? I'm point eight. Still point eight. So yeah, you get the yeah. day off a week. Yes, I do. Nice. I have a long weekend every long weekend. weekend. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. I'm only yes. in my third year and I'm already looking forward oh, to it. Oh, it's the dream. It's the dream. Yeah, no, yeah, that yeah. is good. Cool. Yeah. And you enjoy what you're doing now as your head of learning area? Yes. So I, yeah, the, the job came up, and but I originally applied for um, program coordinator for literacy in yep. the school. Um, and so it was kind of how the getting it right literacy um, job kind of developed mm. over the years so I was the program coordinator for literacy and so I sort of introduced um, uh, the the professional learning community yep. concept that we've got in the school based on the DeFore um, research um, there's a chap in Victoria called John Munro and he does the high reliability literacy strategies yep. so we we have developed our own um, we call them the compass strategies yep. that um, every teacher has to do within their classes awesome. to, um, you know, help with the literacy requirements. Um, and then as as our school renewed itself, um, we, we sort of started getting the learning areas up and going mm. again. So then my program coordinator job kind of turned into um, head of learning yeah. area for English so awesome. yes cool. and you have you happy that's where you would like to stay for yes yeah yeah I'm pretty happy there so yeah. I've been at Coodnup for 13 yeah, years now. wow wow <laughs> um so I fell into the job um but I'm now permanent yeah in the position um I'm substantive head of learning area um awesome probably been there longer than a lot of the other yeah. teachers now so yeah, definitely and you would have seen a lot of graduates come through then um obviously is it a hard to staff school is yours? yes yeah hard to yes, staff still school, so um but becoming less so um i don't know if you're aware of the history of Coodnup. when i first went in 2006 um it was a schooling crisis i would yeah. say it was a community college um so only it was year 8 to 10 we had 240 kids i think um, we were in a lockdown all the time. The staff were demoralised. Mm. Behaviour was appalling. Um, it was a terrible place, really. Um, so everything that you imagine a low socioeconomic school to be, we were. Yeah. Um, and over the years, we've, we've um, developed a stable staff. We've had some excellent principals who've all sort of been on that same trajectory trajectory of improvement yeah um and we got the behavior under control first of all yeah um and now we're really focusing on our um the achievement mm. of our students i think a big turning point was the political decision for us to become a senior high school again yeah we rebranded with um 
new uniform and our logo and the compass idea Um, and we've got about 800 kids now year 7 to 12 um, growing far too quickly we'd like to cap it where we are about now it's a a good size good size yeah yeah awesome so I suppose the other thing I wanted to ask with the wisdom that we talked about was some things for um obviously new teachers and graduate teachers you've got you know a real wealth of experience obviously it's quite a targeted thing um like you've obviously worked in high schools and in English and stuff but even if you've got any sort of generalized well I've been thinking about this pondering Mm -hmm. on this what (laughs) advice would I have liked to have been given when I ended up 3,200 kilometres from anybody that I knew who could help me and I think the first thing is to be kind to yourself Um, I think a graduate teacher and some older teachers as well think that it's a sign of being a good teacher if you're working all the time and if you take all that work home and that you're not a good teacher if you don't do that work at home and I would say to you that you are not a good teacher if you don't have a work-life balance and you are not a good teacher if you're not kind to yourself crying um, in the toilets at school is not a comfortable place to be and I've been there because I've been so stressed um, because I haven't given myself that time to just be me Um, and you don't have to do it at home and if you're doing too much at home you're not working smart yeah Um, you know English teaching yes I still do bring work home but not a lot Um, and it's usually just my marking because I cannot concentrate yeah I can't concentrate (laughs) Um, but you know be smart about your marking don't over assess Mm. Um, I think we all over assess and I've been guilty of that you don't have to assess in a formal sense in a summative yeah. way every piece of work that kids do yeah um, high school teachers in particular feel that they need to have a very full marks book yeah. that reporting to parents has to have you know 25 things in it for a semester well you don't have to no. um, even with the Australian curriculum you're not required to assess every, every outcome yeah yeah at all um, even in senior school we are not required by SCARSA to assess every single teaching point yeah um so to me that would be the first thing be kind to yourself don't overdo the work at home yeah um I work an eight-hour day so I work from eight until four at school and at four o'clock I pack up and go home yeah and if I haven't finished it it will be there tomorrow. tomorrow Um, but that said I do make sure that I'm prepared for the next day before I leave and that is my priority so that my classes are prepared Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to be in that queue at the photocopier um, in the morning in the morning panic stricken because you've got a hundred things to photocopy but so does the the four people in front of you so um, my priority is that the next day is always prepared Mm -hmm. but I leave at four o'clock yeah, um, that work-life balance, like you say, is so important. Yeah, I think so. You know, and if you're burnt out and tired, um, you get grumpy and the older you get, you will find <laughs> the grumpier you get as well. You don't, you know, I don't have the energy that I used to yeah. have. Um, and I don't want to be that grumpy old teacher. So I've got to be kind to myself. I've got to be prepared and calm. 
So that would be my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is to build relationships. Um, relationships are key with your students. Mm-hmm. Learn about every little person and every little um, thing about them. You know, there is something good about every student, even the worst student in your class. Yeah. And you can build, if you build that relationship, well, then it does, they see you as somebody who cares. Um, particularly if you work in a low socioeconomic school, those um, those relationships are so important. So build the relationship, the bridge with that student, even if it's what's the name of your dog. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, and then that kid will find you in the playground and they'll ask you about your own dog and, and it, it just starts Start something. that connection, yeah. So that the kids will work with you and not against you. Yeah. Um, build the relationship with the parents. Um, I think that's really important. Mm. Um, make sure that they know that you care for their kids. Um, don't just call a parent when you've got something bad to say. Um, call a parent when there's something good yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, they re- really appreciate that. And build the relationship with your colleagues so that you've got somebody to turn to so that you're not crying yeah. in the toilet, but you can actually go and say to somebody, I need a hand. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help um, because we've all been there even the old crusty ones we've (laughs) all been there Um, so I've got a graduate in my department and that was one of the first things I said to her don't feel that you're the only one that's experiencing difficulty um, that you're the only one that is um, challenged that um, you can't ask for help ask for help because we've all been there exactly and especially this year like it's been very full-on obviously with all the COVID stuff and we joke that the the people in our block you know instead of having teams we've got more like learning area talked about that we feel like we're like comrades in arms because we felt like we were like in the trenches and it was full-on and we had to lean on each other otherwise we would not have survived those couple of crazy months so exhausting yeah and um you know I, I I don't know how my graduate has survived it because it is has been the most challenging semester of my entire teaching career um, for a variety of reasons and I think you know at it being in the leadership role I've had to be very aware of the stress levels of my staff yeah. um, trying to keep my stress levels private so that I can be there to um, assist them with their stress levels they've been asking me questions that I just haven't been able to answer um, you know, is this a good um, online lesson? I've got absolutely no idea because I don't know whether my online lesson yeah. has been. Well, no one knows because we've just got thrown into it. So. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's been a, it's actually been a good thing because um, it's made made me rethink uh, how I deliver a lesson. Yes, um, and I might be, you know, I might be a bit more uh, proactive in playing with technology now, Mm. that there's more to being a teacher of the 21st century than using YouTube and a PowerPoint. Um, You know, death by PowerPoint and professional development. um, I've tried not to do that with my students as well, but they also need to learn how that works. Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, there's been... There has been some good sides to it um 
Department of Education, we use Connect. I don't know yeah, whether you yeah, use, we Connect use Connect in as well. primary yeah. school. And I've used that as a communication tool with my parents, yeah. um, which has been really good. Um, I've used it as a communication tool with my students, much more than I was. Yeah. Um, I was previously just using it as a depository of resources, yeah. whereas now I am using um, the notices a lot more than I yeah. was um, students have been communicating with me more that way so yeah. it has been a good a good yeah they have good good yeah. things that have come out of it for sure yeah, yeah. um going back to the advice i yeah. think the other thing i would tell young teachers is don't feel that you have to reinvent the wheel all the time definitely and i just mentioned you know powerpoints and and developing resources and look you know when i first went teaching 30 odd however many years ago it was mm. we didn't re we didn't have photocopiers um we didn't have the internet we didn't have word processing we didn't have the facility to create u-boot fancy, fancy worksheet pretty yeah pretty things <laughs> and our students still learnt. very true <laughs> um and i think you know i look at these at young teachers and they feel that everything has to be beautiful yeah and pretty and perfect the, the kids are not going to learn any better with lots of clip art yeah you know it, it does make it attractive but it's not the be all and end all and you know that it, it can be a time waster yeah for sure um if you want things that look perfect go and buy it yeah go on to teachers pay teachers or tes or yeah you know read write think and all these amazing websites you can get stuff for free yeah um already done already pretty yeah. you know you can pay four dollars fifty and get a big work package of stuff you know but but in your own time yes it, it's like put a border on it <laughs> you know put one yeah. clip art thing on it but it doesn't have to be beautiful no, and perfect um, the kids will learn anyway yeah they don't need it um and they learn more from you know you being present and you not being stressed and not being overwhelmed. One. So, you know, if you're taking that time to, like you say, be kind to yourself, you're going to be a better teacher when you're actually in the classroom, One. you know, there for them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and I guess it's all part of the same, the same yeah. thing, isn't it? Being yeah. kind to yourself. Kind and, to yourself and, you know, go to your colleagues, ask your colleagues, um, do you have a rubric yeah. that I could use for, for whatever this. it might be? Yeah. You know, exactly. or Google rubrics. You know, rubrics for poetry or something. Yeah. And there are a million I've, out yeah. there. I don't think I've ever made a rubric myself. No, and then cut and paste. <laughs> yeah. You know, because don't don't spend hours making your own. No, you know, I exactly. guess that that that's my advice, because teaching so different now. In in the olden days <laughs> when I was first teaching, you know, and we had encyclopedias. Yeah. But, you know, they might have been ten years out of date, and so teachers kind of. We had to fill the empty vessels of students' yeah. minds and we were the source of all knowledge. But that's not what it is anymore because right. the knowledge is there on the kids' oh, yeah. mobile phones. <laughs> exactly. So Click what away. we have to do is teach the kids how to use the knowledge. Yes. And there's so much. So what's the best knowledge to use? Yeah. Um, so it's so and... different. Um, and now, we, you know, do we know all the answers? No, we don't. Google is our friend. Yeah. You know, and, and tell the kids, I don't know the answer. Give me a moment and I'll yeah. check with Dr. Google. And yeah. they will respond to that 
when they see that you're fallible as well. Yeah, definitely. We do that quite a bit. If they ask a really good question, I'll be like, I don't know, and let's find out, you know, and that's when we'll look together as a class, you yes. know, little things like that. Sometimes yeah. we've had a lesson and a question's taken us off in a different tangent, but it's more valuable then, you know, if you were oh, to... Yes, and I, my, my students know that I'm a teacher that, that goes off on tangents love a good tangent. And so it's like, let's get her off on a tangent, and then it'll be the end of the lesson. Yeah, like, let's see how oh, much we can... What was my learning intention? Oh, I forgot all about that. But it doesn't mean that the other, that the other learning that didn't happen no. wasn't good as well awesome and the other thing i have i have found and i'm it's jennifer gonzalez is her name Mm -hmm. and she has this amazing website called the cult of pedagogy and um i found this in 2015 or 2016 this article and it's called find your marigold the one essential rule for new teachers and why i love this Mm is that when you go into a staff room, there are all sorts of different types of teachers in the staff room. And you'll have your Miss Happy, and you'll have your, you know, old teacher in a in a high school, it's usually manual arts teacher, <laughs> and they'll sit there in the same seat in the staff room with their arms crossed. Mr Cynical, they've been there, they've done that, they've heard it all before. Yeah. There are all these different sorts of teachers in a staff room and what this article is suggesting to new teachers is to find the marigold find the one who is going to be the helpful one for you and to avoid the walnuts Mm. and what the walnuts are and i love this analogy walnut trees can be a bit poisonous Mm -hmm. and so in the garden a walnut tree when you grow a walnut tree won't have many plants around it Mm. because the plants around it wither and die (laughs) and so in the staff room you'll have your walnuts and if you find a walnut and that is your mentor you'll wither and die around them okay okay so that's the analogy and so the suggestion is and it's so clever that a marigold is, is a plant that is a companion plant. Mm. And so when you plant a marigold in the garden, you can plant all sorts of plants around it and they'll all grow be happy together, together grow, to, <laughs> grow together, grow and happy, grow happy together. All right. And so the marigolds in your school, and I'll quote, I'll quote her, they encourage support and nurture growing teachers on their way to maturity. So if you can find at least one marigold in your school and stay close to them, you will grow and find more than one marigold and you'll thrive. Okay. However, so that's that's your planting. Mm -hmm. However, if you go too close to the uh, to the walnut, walnut trees are poison. So you'll have, and I quote, "Kid hating Kate, who snorts every time you share a positive anecdote about your students." Think, and I bet you can think of one of those in your staff room. Retirement Dan, who counts down the minutes until he's out of there. Can you think of one of those? Well, I'm at a new school, so thankfully I can't at the moment, but yes, I can imagine. (laughs) 20-page Tina. And so 20-page, you'll go in there and you'll be really proud because one of your kids wrote three pages in answer to something. But 20-page Tina, her kids are always better and really competitive. Yeah. Okay? Then you've got badass Bobby. (laughs) 
they'd never try that crap in my room. Yeah. All right? But the kids probably hate him. Yeah. All right? Um, then there's Hattie who hates the principal. Okay? Because there's always yeah. a couple that always. hate the principal. Yeah. Um, my time, Margaret. She won't do anything that she doesn't have to do. Yes. Okay? Because yes. she this is her job. That's her job description. Nothing outside of her no job more. description. No more. Those Margaret's would not have coped with COVID. <laughs> yep. And then there's good old days Judy who hates anything new and it wasn't like that in my day. Okay? Or you might have one person who's a combination of all those. Yeah. All right? They are the walnuts. Keep well away. Keep well away. And so when I go to school, every day I try to be somebody's marigold. Yeah. Um, some days I feel like a walnut, but I try to keep that to yeah. myself yes yeah. there will be some days when you feel like being a walnut and you can't harder. help it yeah. um and i have been a walnut more days in the last 22 weeks oh, I know. than i think i've ever been <laughs> me too but i've tried to put my my sunny orange marigold hat on um and i think for a new teacher find your marigold and as you become more experienced, try and be somebody yeah, else's exactly. marigold. Yeah. You know, because we need good teachers. We need young positive teachers. We don't want the young positive teachers to walnut out to too early out. and to leave. Yeah. And to leave. The retention rate is so bad. Yes. It's so bad, you yes. know. And I think that's such a shame about this year, like being, you know, I'm only in my third year. And it's been the hardest year, like you say, you know, it's the hardest year of your whole career. And it probably, I like to think, hopefully, I won't have any years harder than this one. But it's already made me be like, oh, I'm knackered, you know. So hopefully the second half of this year is, is better. But yes. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really great advice. I'll um, put a link up for that as well. Yeah, so people be can a marigold. Be a marigold. Be somebody's marigold. Yeah. Look, look for the for marigolds. Marigold. And even me, you know, old time teacher, I still look for my marigolds. Yeah. Um, There's people that lift you up, not yes, push you down. Yeah, and, you know, you sit there on a PD day and the walnuts will sit there with their legs crossed, their arms folded. They'll go, oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. You know, how long's it been since he's been in a classroom? You know, can't teach me anything new. That sort of thing. They talk down the back. It's a negative, and, yeah. Oh, you know, can't stand it. Yeah. Do not sit next to a walnut on a PD day. Yeah. Leave them down the back. Go and sit up the front with the marigolds and even if you're thinking that even if you're thinking i've heard this before there might be just a little gem in there yeah, that you haven't exactly. thought about before but at the at the end of the day as well you don't want to sit down the back and have a bad day sit up the front yeah have a good have day you choose you make that choice of how you approach it all 100 yeah. percent. awesome thank yeah. you so much well we're going to go and have a cup of tea okay cake so okay so i hope that, that was helpful thank you so much it was very helpful thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of all things teaching don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you can keep up to date with all the new episodes have a wonderful day